Hello and welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. Harvest Church is based in sunny Durban, South Africa. We are a family of believers who are passionate about Jesus. We really hope this message inspires you today. Good morning. This day, 2,000 and odd some years ago, changed the landscape of history and changed eternal destinations for those who have heard the good news. Because if you've heard the good news, you're not going to deny the good news. So this moment in history, a profound moment, and I love history and I love days like this because we can come into a place of remembering. So even if you've come in bored of religion, tired of church, but you've come in on an Easter and you, we might see you on Sunday and today is the day that all you get to do is receive grace. Receive grace and then stay in grace. As you came to Him, now continue to walk in Him. Colossians says to Paul, Paul says to us, this is the moment where you and I can receive grace upon grace upon grace because you could never have accomplished this in your own righteousness or your own behavior or your own works or the obedience of the law. It had to take the one. It had to take Jesus. So what I want to do and what I want to speak to us and I, I know there are children here today and I trust that children will get it because I, I want my kids to get it. But I want to speak about the faith of Jesus. The faith of Jesus that he never took his eye off his purpose and off his mandate and off the word that the Father spoke. He never took, he took there wasn't even a moment but for the garden where he, he had to ask a question. What did it take Jesus? Because Jesus didn't do what he did as God or a deity. He did what he did as a man. You see, man brought sin into the world. Therefore, man had to pay for the sin of the world. And in God's great redemptive plan, the Bible says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting your trespasses against you. This is the moment where we can truly, fully open our hearts and our hands and receive grace. It says this in Romans. I'm going to read a lot of scripture this morning. Romans 5:17. For if because of one man's trespass, speaking of Adam, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification or to be made right before God and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, speaking of Adam, the many were made sinners, 
So by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through the one Jesus Christ our Lord. He had to become a man, and in his plan, Paul writes in Philippians, and it says, you and I need to have our mind among us, which is the same as Jesus, who though he was in form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And therefore God has highly exalted him as we worship this morning and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. His purpose, his purpose to reconcile you and I, back to the Father. You and I inherited a sin nature. We could do nothing about it to change it because of the laws that were put in place for you to be obedient 100% of the time with no deviation. And Jesus came and he said, you can't do it. Your nature is opposed to God and a nature that is opposed to God cannot rightfully obey the laws that were instituted because man wanted them. Man wanted to prove that they could be obedient to God. And day one, an idol appeared. That's why Jesus had to come. That's why Jesus had to come. His purpose, in Romans 5.10 it says this, For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. Colossians 1. For in Christ all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of the flesh by his death in order to present you and me holy and blameless and above reproach before him. There was joy in his faith. The joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So friends, Jesus, in his upbringing, had to read the word. He had the Psalms, he had the Torah, he had the prophets. He had the whole word, and he had to 
read it and he had to study it. And by 13, he had to know so much off by heart. So he had the Psalms that prophesied to him. You know, in church life, we love prophetic words that are going to help us, tell us where to go, tell us who we are, and tell us what God thinks about us. When Jesus read the word, it prophesied something very, very different. Why he had faith in those prophecies, not only to see what he was going to go through, but the faith that he had in enduring the cross is because he had you and I in mind. He had you and I in mind. And one of those Psalms is Psalm 22. And Psalm 22 comes through right at the end of the gospel, at the crucifixion. So many of those verses come through when he's being crucified. And go and study it for yourself. But this is what it says in a couple of the verses from Psalm 22 verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning, my God, I cry day, but you do not answer, and by night I find no rest. I am but a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who seek, all who see me mock me, and they make their mouths at me, and they wag their heads. But he who trusts in the Lord, let him deliver him, let him rescue him, for he delights in him. The bulls encompass me. Strong bulls from Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like roaring, ravening and roaring lions. I am poured out like water and my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. What is Jesus thinking when he's reading these Psalms? Oh, that's a nice Psalm. Or is he reading it to be convinced of the reality of what he's going to go through. And it carries on and says, For the dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircle me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all of my bones, which means all of his flesh was ripped off. What is Jesus thinking when he's reading that? Because as a man, he still had a choice. And the Bible says that, he was tempted in all things just as we are, yet without sin. They divide my garments among them, and the, for my clothing they cast lots. Father, deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Save me from the lion. He's reading that, and still at the end of the psalm, he says, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I'll praise you. And if, there's many, many times where it's prophesied of what's going to happen to Jesus. And he's reading it and he's studying it. And he's going to see that none of the words of God are going to return void. Can you imagine with me Jesus picking up Isaiah 52 and 53 and 54 and 55, all the way to 60 and 61. It prophesies the demise, but then it prophesies the church. It prophesies what he needs to do, and then it prophesies a new covenant that you and I get to benefit from. But let's read a little bit of Isaiah 52 and 53 that Jesus himself would have been studying. That's why Jesus needed faith. 
What does faith mean? Faith means I'm convinced. Faith means I trust in. Faith means I believe in. Faith means I rely upon. Faith means I adhere to. When Jesus reads this, maybe it was one of those times where he left all the disciples and they had healed the sick and he left. Maybe he was up there and he was meditating on Isaiah 53 and it says this in Isaiah 52 from verse 14. As many were astonished at you. His appearance was so marred beyond human likeness and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. I think the Passion movie got close, but I think not close enough to what the Scriptures say that he went through. So shall, his, so shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told to them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. And then Isaiah carries on, he says, who has believed this report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord being revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He has no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteem him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem or wrongly think that it is God who has stricken him and afflicted him. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed. We are all like sheep who have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that was led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth to pronounce his innocence." By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of his people. And they made his grave with the wicked, with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and has put him to grief when his soul makes a, an offering for guilt he shall see his offspring he shall prolong his days the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied by his knowledge shall the righteous one my servant Make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Jesus, in his time, had all of these scriptures to read. He saw his lot, he saw his purpose, 
He saw the Father's desire and he trusted. He trusted for you and I. He trusted not in a system, but he trusted in his Father. And from the Last Supper, even his friends start to leave him, start to deny him. And I'm going to fast forward us through some of the scriptures until the moment. John 13, during the Last Supper, it says this. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of the son uh, of Simon Iscariot. Listen to, our, listen to this, friends. Uh, preach for another time. But the enemy put something in his heart. And it says this, After he had taken the morsel, Judas, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do it quickly. In the garden, he had to place his full trust and faith in the Father who raises the dead and Sunday's coming. And when Jesus went out to the place called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray and taking with him Peter and two, the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed. My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said, so you could not watch with me for one hour. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, for the second time, he went and he prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. His faith in that moment was under pressure. But he knew who his father was. You see, his greatest desire was to bring you and I back into the place of reconciliation where we understand the father like him in the worst place and space of anguish. And again he came and he found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the, the third time, saying the same thing again. And then he came to the disciples and he said to them, sleep and take, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. See, my betrayer is at hand. While he was speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, The one I will kiss, that man you must seize him. And he came up to Jesus and at once, and he said, Greetings, Rabbi. 
and he kissed him. And then John speaks of it a little differently. That was in Matthew 26. And John 18, it says, And Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward, and he said to them, when they asked, Who is Jesus? And he said to them, Who do you seek? And they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. And, and he said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, was standing there. And when Jesus said to them, I love this. A restricted power in a moment for mankind. He still had the possibility to actually call on and the, the whole armies of angels in this moment. The Bible says, you actually, I give my life over to you. I've got angels waiting to do my bidding, but I lay my life down. That's what he says. And I love this. It's the first time anyone was slayed in the spirit. Check here. It says, when Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and they fell onto the ground. All of them, the Bible says, just saying that word, I am he restraining himself, the creator of all things, containing himself for you and I. And in his suffering, his faith remained. Fast forward. And I'm going to speak from Mark 15. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, releasing them, Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Remember what Isaiah said when they scourged him. It says, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace that is the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in purple cloak, and they twisted together a crown of thorns, and they put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, the king of Jews. And they were striking his head with a rod and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the, pra the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him, and they divided his garments among them, casting lots for him to decide what each should take and possibly in Jesus' mind was Psalm 22 in that moment. The psalm that he had read over and over and over again, seeing it happen in front of his eyes. It was the third hour when they crucified him and the inscription of the charge against him read the king of the Jews. And when they crucified the two robbers, one on each of his sides, right and left, and those who passed derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you would destroy the temple and rebuild it in days. Save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests and the scribes mocked him, 
to one another saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. The day the curtain got torn, I'm sure the chief priests and the scribes remembered Psalm 22 as well. Because they had read it and they had read it and they had read it and now they were playing the part of the prophecy and they were a part of it. It says, let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified also reviled him. And the sixth hour had come. There was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabakatni, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22. And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge of sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come and take it down. And Jesus uttered in a loud voice, and then I put Luke and I put Matthew and then I put John all together in this space because they have all got different descriptions of what happened in that moment. And in a loud voice, he cried, It is finished. Into your hands. I commit my spirit. His faith still, the faith of Jesus still placed in the Father's hands. And he breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn. In that moment, there was an earthquake from the top to the bottom. And friends, please don't think it's a curtain like you have in your house. Go and study it. I don't want to give it away, but you go and see how many feet of curtain that got ripped in that moment. Impossible for a man to rip a curtain. Jesus, in that moment, satisfied every legal requirement of the law for the atonement of our sins. Man brought sin into the world. Man took sin out of the world. A moment in history that you and I would come and sit here on a Friday morning. Hebrews 2.17 says, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation, and that word means satisfaction, means to satisfy for the sins of all the people. When God looked at Jesus in that moment, he was satisfied. God looks at you and he sees satisfied. 1 John 2 2 says, He is the propitiation or the satisfaction for our sins and not only ours but also for the sins of the whole world. That's why they need to hear the good news. 1 John 4.10 In this is love. Not that we have loved God but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the satisfaction, total satisfaction for our sins. He said this and in my conclusion it is finished.
What does that mean? What's finished by Jesus' faith? What was accomplished by Jesus' faith? What was fulfilled that was prophesied by Jesus' faith? The original translation and the meaning of it is finished means tetelestai. It means this. To end, to bring to completion, to bring to a conclusion, to complete, to accomplish, to fulfill, to finish, to arrive at completion, maturity, or perfection. It is finished. Tetelestai. When Jesus spoke it, he says, I have done exactly what you requested, Father. The mission is now accomplished. The word tetelestai was the equivalent of the Hebrew word spoken by the high priest when he presented a sacrificial lamb without spot or blemish behind the curtain. But now the curtain is torn and it says this, as Jesus entered into the holy place and offered his own blood, a sacrifice so complete that God never again required the blood of lambs for forgiveness. And Hebrews 9.12 says, Neither the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption. Eternal redemption. So when you go and you give your heart and you open up your heart for those things that you've missed the mark for, you cannot pay for it. You thank God for what is already paid for. In a secular sense, the word tetelestai was used in the business world to signify the full payment of debt. When the debt has been fully paid, the parchment on which the debt was recorded was stamped with tetelestai, which meant the debt had been paid in full. And in Colossians it says this, 2.13, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Debt is paid. Everything that stood against you legally has been paid for. Back in the olden days, they used to have this parchment, and they used to have everything recorded down. And if they didn't have the stamp of Tetelesta, before that, they used to put a cross through it. But even though the cross was through it, you could still see the debt that was remaining in your own mind. That's why we need the blood of Jesus that cleanses our conscience from dead works. It doesn't only cleanse us from our sin, it cleanses our conscience from dead works because I can still see the debt that was there. But the blood of Jesus comes and he washes it clean. So there's a blank canvas over your life. It's canceled, but not only canceled, it's been removed. It cannot be seen from the, as far as the east is to the west. So far, your sin's been removed to you. Thank God he didn't say north to south. Because north to south meet. East to west never meet. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with illegal demands, he set it aside, nailing it to the cross. 
He nailed everything that you were demanded to accomplish. He nailed it inside of him on the cross. And then he says, now come die with me. Come be crucified with me. Come die with me. Come be buried with me, but come be raised up in newness of life. He disarmed in that moment the rulers and the authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in himself. When Jesus died on the cross, he bore our griefs, he carried our sorrows, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, he was chastised for our peace, he was scourged for our healing, he had triumph over the enemy, then giving us authority, the dividing walls of hostility that we still experience in everyday life, he abolished through the cross. It's only the cross that speaks a better word for the nations. It's the only place where we have colored, black, white, Indian, Chinese, every nation that comes together because of the equality that Christ wrought for us. He abolished the dividing walls, triumphing over by the cross. When Jesus said, it is finished, he was declaring the end of sacrifice because the ultimate sacrifice had finally been made. Atonement was complete. It was perfected. It was fully accomplished. It was done once and for all, forever finished. Let's stand together. Can I get the worship team up, please? And just before we worship and before we honor, if we can honor this time and maybe I can be closed and head bowed at this time. There might be individuals in this house this morning. They've never come to that place where they've heard the message of what Jesus has fully accomplished for you through himself. You might be trusting in religion. You might be trusting in culture. You might be trusting in everything else. But Jesus, as the faith that he had, wants to give you his faith this morning that you can receive him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved you this morning. If you've never surrendered and given your life to Jesus, let this moment, let this moment be the moment that you look back and testify that this is where my history changed. This is where my future changed. Maybe you are worn out, tired, burnt out on religion, and you're still trying to accomplish 
reconciliation with the Father through your own works, you've come to realize that's going to be an endless task. You want to give that up and you want to receive Jesus. If that is you this morning, won't you raise up your hand that I can pray with you? I can lead you to a prayer where you can receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. The Bible says that if we confess Jesus as Lord and we believe in our heart and God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. It's with your heart that you believe unto righteousness. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. If that is you, just quickly slip up your hand and I want to pray for you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Just say this in your heart before the Lord. Heavenly Father, this morning I give my heart to you in trust. I place my faith that your word is true. And that what Jesus accomplished secures my eternity and my relationship with you. I see what Jesus went through and he placed his faith and his trust, his reliance and his belief in you. And I want to do that this morning because Jesus accomplished it all. I can walk now as a child of God, changed forever. So I thank you today, Jesus. I call you Lord. I thank you that in this moment I'm changed. That the sin nature opposed to you is gone and your righteous nature Jesus has come this morning I call myself a new creation a child of God born again changed in Jesus name Amen